Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle podcast where we know and believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. In today's episode, we jump into a theme about reading the room. It is so important as a coach, we have that skill that we are able to read and understand, to interpret the feel and emotion and energy in the room, and that we know how to respond accordingly based on what we're witnessing around us. It's a skill that's not often talked about, but when you've been able to master it, it changes everything. In today's episode, we talk about some nuances and some strategies to help you as a coach better read the room. And when you're able to read the room better, it'll allow you to lead and coach better. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We hope you find it helpful. And without further ado, let's jump in. TJ, I was scrolling through Twitter recently and Micah Hayes, former guest who we just had on one of our most recent episodes, uh, posted something that actually stopped me in my tracks. And it was in light of all the uh, things going on in our world right now. It was right shortly after the George Floyd murder. And there were, he was commenting on some companies, TJ, promoting products or promoting sales in light of everything that was going on. And, and picture, it was in the heat of all of this, okay? Um, and he made the comment and he put it in capital letters. Read the room. Read the room. Your product promotion can wait. It will be there for you on another day. Now is not the time. Come with a different message at this moment. And I remember as I was scrolling, TJ, that, that capital bold print of read the room just kind of hit me. And I, I remember thinking I may have questioned whatever I was going to post at that moment. And, and thought, is this appropriate? You know, is this in light of the situation around me? And it made me think, and, and I, when I think about coaching and our role as leaders, this concept of read the room, TJ, is so critical because every single day when we step into our environment with our athletes, we have this responsibility to read the room. And the better we can do that, the better we will reach them, the better we will connect them, the better we will lead them. But I wonder how many coaches uh, consciously think about this thought process of reading the room rather than just simply going in with your agenda, with whatever you want to get across and just essentially forcing it or feeding it to the team versus getting a read of the room and then navigating in accordance to the emotional state, the vibe, the energy in that room. It's a very interesting thought, but it's one, it's a skill set. Some coaches are really good at TJ. Others may not be thinking much of it, but if you can get to the point where you're mastering it, it's going to help you significantly as a coach. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think it applies to not only basketball, but it applies to life. You know, that so many times we are um, not paying attention to other people's feelings because we're so caught up in our own feelings, you know? And uh, the interesting thing about it is, 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 you know, I think, you know, oftentimes our heart breaks for vastly different things. You know, some people, their heart breaks for, for orphans and some of their heart breaks for, you know, uh, homeless and some, you know, everybody's heart breaks for something different. And sometimes we only hear our heart or people speak to, to what breaks our heart and we don't always hear the other issues, but in the climate of different things that were going on, I think it was a really, uh, you know, thoughtful post by Micah. I think, you know, like stop for a second, read the room because 
you did. You had to pause for a second and you realized that, hey, you know, this this joke or this meme or whatever wasn't appropriate for the mind. This thought of selling this product in this moment could wait one day or could wait a few hours or whatever it was is very true. And then when you translate that to coaching or you translate that to leadership in players, you know, I think this is kind of like when I talk about the art and science of coaching, right? Some people know the science. They know in I'm going to go do A, B, C, D, practice, and we're going to do this. But then there's the coaches that I think it's the money makers, the art of coaching, like knowing when to adjust, when to change, when to, and I think this falls right in there, when to read the room and say, I need to do something different. And it, you know, I think honestly, it, it probably happens about 10 times a year, you know, to me, like as a coach in practice where you go in and something's off and maybe it's their stress level from finals. Maybe it's, there's some tension on the team. Maybe there's whatever, but there's something not right. And you can move forward with practice in, in the day like, well, we just got to practice anyway, but you're likely going to spin your wheels a little bit. It's, it's going to not actually be a very productive practice because there's a deeper issue. And I, you know, I think that uh, there's times that I've felt that I, I, I give this example. I think it was two years ago. Uh, we had a really good team. We were on a, a tough little break there and we were getting really hard on our players and I self-evaluated and for about 10 days they were feeling the tension. You know, we were playing for a national tournament. They were feeling my tension. The tension was spread throughout the team. And, uh, you know, I, w- I was pissed. And, you know, what do I do in this moment? I could read the room was not right. And so, and I was so mad at our leadership level. And so what we did is we got everybody up at 6 a.m. They thought they were coming to a hard practice. And me and the coaching staff cooked breakfast for them. Pancakes, bacon, eggs, whatever. Da, da, da. And the message was to them, you know what, we keep pushing leadership, but we're not modeling it very well. So we want to lead to it with serve you today, you know, and that was reading of what was going on. And it's really important as coaches to, to be able to get the, the heartbeat of a team. Now, I was reading this article on the Harvard Business Review and Annie McKee, a, a professor at University of Pennsylvania writes, she's also the author of How to Be Happy in the Workplace. Knowing how to read between the lines is a critical team place skill. You need to understand other people, what they want, what they don't want, their fears, their hopes, their dreams, their motivations, their frustrations. And when you do this, it builds trust. And trust is the fundamental tool to getting things done in a team environment. So therefore, you need to constantly be assessing how other people are responding to you and responding to the environment. Now, some people find this easy and intuitive, she says, but for others, it's a challenge. But the good news is it can be learned and improved upon. So I agree with that. Some people are really good at this. They just go in and they just have that knack to just reaching the room and leading them where they are and how they need to be led. But I find on the other side, there's a lot of people that are almost clueless on this, TJ. And, and I don't think it's because they, they don't have the – that they can't or aren't capable of doing this. I just don't think they've been very intentional to try to, to learn it. But it's really challenging because essentially what you're having to do – is simultaneously observe and lead the room at the same time. And that's a, that's a dynamic that's really, really challenging. And you don't, I think it's important coaches realize we don't always need to match the energy in the room, right? If the energy's high, you don't always need to get up there. If it's low, you don't need to get down there. That's not what we're saying, read the room. It's not a matching of the room, but you do need to be aware of the energy in the room. And I think that's a big distinction. So I think a lot of times when we think read the room, if they're up, you'd be up, right? If they're down, you're, you're down. For me, I've always taken it as I always enter as a five. 
I always enter as a five. And as I go into the room, I'm always evaluating and I'm observing and I'm trying to pay attention to everything. I'm looking at interactions between people. I'm looking at body language. I'm looking at facial expressions. I'm trying to see if this, if the mood in the room is up, if it's down, I enter as the five and then I move to the level that I think the team needs it. So if the team's overly hyped, right. And they're just, they're goofing off and they're laughing and Maybe they're not as focused. I'll bring it down to kind of slow us down and, and bring us down a notch. If they're, you know, if they're down a little bit and I sense that they need bringing up, I will then raise my level maybe to a seven or eight to try to get that. So I always try to enter as a five, TJ, and then go accordingly. And I don't jump to my initial conclusions either. This is another thing. Sometimes I'll walk into the room and I'll feel that the room may be distracted. And I'm in an interesting spot because obviously I'm not the head coach of the teams that I work with and I'm not with them every day. So I'll come in and work with the team. And yes, I've been with them all season, but I don't know everything that's led up to me with my time with them. So I'm forced to do this even more so. And I'll I'll come in and at, at times I may walk in and there'll be a little bit of a somber mood everyone's kind of down a little bit. And I don't know if coach just kind of let them have it about something or had to address something heavy. So I may come in and that initial read may feel like a somberness or a, a downward emotion. But just because that's my initial read, I don't always jump to initial conclusions. I want to test it a little bit. I want to feel it out a little bit and make sure my initial uh, observations actually are accurate. And I think that's for me just not jumping to conclusions. And one thing that I've done, and I, I stole this from Mano Watsa from PGC, he always talked about on the teams he coached, he'd always make a point to connect. And, and whether it's a quick fist dab or a quick, hey, how you doing with every player before they start practice. And essentially, he wants to connect before he leads. And for me, I try to do that in every situation I can, simply because I want to get a feel for where every player is at. And you can get a good gauge. Sometimes they, you know, you'll go to acknowledge a player and they, they'll keep their head down and don't even acknowledge you. And you can tell, okay, something's up there, right? Then there's others that are more jovial and you can say, okay, I can understand where they're at. It's part of this process, but I love what Mano always said, connect before you leave. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, it's okay to admit that you do not know. I think sometimes as coaches, we feel the need to always have the answer or always have the solution. And even in moments when we don't, we pretend that we do and we come up with something or we share something without full confidence that it's accurate. This week, coaches, I want to encourage you that if you do not know the answer, just acknowledge that you don't know. Acknowledge that you're working to figure it out, that you need to learn more. You hope to learn something here soon. And then that moment, I believe you'll build better trust and stronger trust with your team by acknowledging that you don't know the answer, but you're working to get it. That's the encouragement for you this week, coach. Sometimes you just need to admit you do not know. So thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Check it out today. And thanks to our friends over at Shootaway for today's stat sheet of the day. Did you know this past season, Russell Westbrook attempted 998 two-point field goal attempts? He led the league in two-point field goal attempts. 
when you think about that many shots being put up, you know he's working relentlessly behind the scenes to improve his game. To put up a thousand shots in season, he's probably quadrupled plus some off season. He gets his work in. He puts his time in. And if you're looking to put your work in and get time in, there's often considered no better tool to work on your shot than utilizing Shootaway's The Gun. Check out Shootaway.com to learn more about how you can get started with one of their guns in your gym today. Now, let's jump back in. Yeah. You know, it's hard to lead them if you can't read them. And it's hard to read them if you haven't built a connection, you know, and I think that's. I thought you were going to start flowing there, TJ. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. (laughs) I'm not not that gifted, but I think you're, I think that's the process, right? Like you've got to connect, you know, and if you can connect and you really understand that person, it's much easier to read them. And if you can read them, it's a lot easier to lead them. You know, I think it's a, almost like a three-step process there. And when I think about that process and and where it goes wrong, it usually goes wrong in the first step. There's just not a real connection there. And so you can't read, um, read that person or, or read the vibe of the room. And when I think about coaches that do this really well, they typically have really good connections with what's going on and with their players. They've had those, those conversations. And, you know, how do you change this? You know, I think that's the, one of the questions. Like, what if you don't read the room very well? What do you do? And, I, you know, the best advice or best way I've seen it adjusted or adapted, and I think it is a process to be able to read the room, but is you really have to do self-evaluation and self-reflection. And if you think you've got it figured out and you're not willing to, to get some feedback from other people, you're likely not going to change this. But the, 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 if you don't change it, the, the downside of not changing it, not being able to read the room, is you're limiting your ceiling as a coach and where you can take a team. And I think this is also really important, Adam, where you talked about it a second ago, like entering the room. I'd almost argue that most of the time as a coach, uh, your emotion has to be opposite of what theirs is. You know, so for instance, if you have a team that's really jacked up and ready to go, I think you need to bring some calmness and level headedness. If you have a team that's really down and, and struggling, you need to lift them up. You know, you need to you need to raise or elevate that. And there's different times when I think about coming into a locker room after a big win, a lot of times, you know, it's a quick celebration. I try to get them level because I know we play in two days again. They're not thinking about that, but I'm thinking about that. And there's also times when we've climbed a mountain and they're celebrating and excited where I'm like, you know what, in this moment, I just need to dive in with them. I just need to let them know I love them and I celebrate them for what's going on. And I think those are the times as coaches where, you know, we're not, we, we're not just reading the room for the moment. We're reading the room for the future as well. That's a powerful thought right there. And I think what you just said kind of speaks to that going in as a five and then adjusting according to their need, but not always necessarily thinking you just need to match the energy in the room. Right. And, and I would actually say you probably learned that through experience in many ways. I'd have to imagine. I bet if we went back early into your coaching days, TJ, you probably lean more towards matching the energy of the room. Right. Like if the, they were all vibrant and, and hyped, you probably felt like I should be vibrant and hype. I don't want to bring them down. Look at them. They're, they're excited, right? And on the flip side, you know, man, they're, they're kind of softer. Maybe you went a little softer. But I think through some of the experience, but also through much of self-awareness, you're evaluating and, and trying to figure out what's the best approach. I'll tell you, one thing that I do a lot to, um, at least in my experience, to read the room is I always want to test their engagement also. I do this a lot. I want to test their engagement. There's moments where I'm talking and, and I'm leading the conversation and I'm leading the discussion. 
but I very often will throw it back to them to try to get them speaking, get them engaged. And I want to see, I don't, I, I think sometimes when we do too much of the talking as the leader, it makes it that much more difficult to engage and read the room. I think we're distracted in that regard. I think we can do our best job reading the room when we allow others to kind of own the room for a moment and test and see and evaluate where they are. So for me, I want to throw it out to the players, engage them, and see, kind of give me a better understanding of where you guys are right now. Yeah. And in, in coaching, there's so many hurdles to this, right? Because, I mean, when I'm, I'm listening to you talk, I mean, the first hurdle is just being will, willing to give away some of that ownership. I mean, when you're going to be quiet, somebody else is talking and that's not always comfortable for a coach. Cause we think we always got to be, you know, the head of the room telling them where to go. And so that's a process in itself. And then, you know, a big process for me that I still fight to this day, I think I'm really good at reading the room and I know where my level needs to be, but my own personality doesn't always lend well to changing to that level. You know, like I, as far as if I need to be really excited and really positive, I have to work on that. I have been working on that for 20 years, you know, because I'm more focused and driven and not a lot of fluff. And da, da, da. But I know my team needs me to be this in this moment. And so I think the other part of that for coaches was reading the room is being able to show up authentically in what the room needs in that moment. That's a challenge for all of us because our true authenticity is, is probably not all of those things. We're probably not high and low and the middle and whatever. And that's why I think ch- coaching is, is so challenging. I mean, you know, when you look at doctors and lawyers and all these different people, you know, they can kind of just lend to what they are. I mean, if you're a, you know, if you're, you're not an emotional person, they still do the job as a doctor. We still go to them. And if they're a really friendly doctor or whatever, you know, well, they do the job, we still go to them. But in coaching, you got to be a lot of things and it's hard. TJ, do you do this often? I certainly do. I always have one or two players, it ends up working out that way, that I go to them often to help me read the room as well. A lot of times I'll be walking into a session or I'll I'll join practice there towards the end and and my time will be coming here in about five or 10 minutes and I'll I'll lean on one or two of the players that I've built a rapport with that I truly trust their uh, perceptions and their emotional intelligence in situations and I'll just simply ask them, hey, hey, how's the team doing? How's everyone feeling today? You know, or, you know good spirits and, and get their feedback because usually they can kind of give you a little gauge on it. Do you do that from time to time? Because you're not with your players all the time. They're at school. Yeah. They're on campus and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's really valuable for coaches. And the funny thing is, is like I've had some guys that read the room better than I do. Like they're in the locker room. I trust them with everything. And they're, I'm, like, they're like, I'm like, really? I didn't reckon. And they know it. And I trust them. I've also had leaders where I've learned who they are and I take, you know, what they say with a grain of salt, you know, like, listen there. I mean, I think that they, they, they feel the room. I'm going to get some truth out of what they say, but typically there's a little bit of their slant in it. I've had some leaders like that, you know, and his slant is probably either more positive than it really is or more negative than it really is. And so sometimes you have a leader that can just give it to you 100. And sometimes you have a leader that can, give it to you 50 to 75 and you just got to be able to decipher through that. But no matter whether it's 50 or 75 or a hundred percent accurate on reading the room, the Intel is still extremely valuable. Yeah. It helps gather and put you in a place that you have a better perspective. I think this conversation to read the room, it's going to start with a conversation to help push you to be more intentional on it. Um, it's very difficult to read the room if you're not even attempting to read it. 
right? I think that's the first and foremost. You've got to actually understand that this is a really important skill that I need to work on, that I need to develop and become a lot more intentional. And, and maybe I need to ask players to give me their insight before entering in the room. Maybe I need to engage them more and talk less. Maybe I need to do a better job of connecting with every player before I lead them. Mono even says he doesn't like to even communicate or coach a player that he hasn't greeted beforehand. All right, because yeah. he doesn't know if he's approaching them the right way. There could be something majorly heavy hanging on them, and he would have had no idea. And if he came as a coach and started kind of letting into him on that particular moment, that would be disastrous in his mind. And I, I tend to agree. Right, mm-hmm. understanding, going through this process of reading the room, to your point, TJ, will raise the ceiling on your team. It is worth the effort for you to learn and work on this skill. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I think about my dad and. I don't remember all the basketball we stuff, the stuff we did, but I remember people always saying this, celebrating at his 50th or their 40th wedding anniversary or whatever. They said, man, your dad could work a room, you know? And I think, what does that mean to, to be able to work a room? And I paused and I thought about that. And I continue to listen to comments. And, you know, I think feeling the room and working the room are also really important because you have a diverse group of people. And if you have 15 people in that locker room, you know, there is a general feeling, but there's also a lot of isolated feelings. And so when you go in and you work a room, can you see the guy in the back left corner that's hurting, you know, and feels isolated? Can you see the guy in the back right corner who's feeling good about themselves and might be one inch away from trouble? Can you see the guy, you know, and there's a, there's not only the feeling of the room collectively, but there's also a lot of individual people in that room feeling different things. And you know, when you talk about feeling the room, then there's the next step of working the room. Like, can I feel the collective group? Can I look to the left corner, the right corner, the guy in front of me, the starter, the last one on the bench, whatever. There's a lot of variety of feelings. And so after you've, you've learned to feel the room, then I think the next step is working the room. Fair. So read the room, feel the room, work the room. You've got to do it all if you want to lead the room. So coaches, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Hopefully this was a challenge that uh, engaged you into a conversation that you may not have been as intentional of, but is extremely important as a coach. As always, I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out. Hey, coaches, one more thing before you go. If you would, we would love to ask you a small favor. To take a minute, wherever you subscribe to this podcast, go on and leave us a review and a star rating. Now, I'd love for it to be a five-star. I'll leave that up to you because I can't make you do anything. Hopefully, it is a five-star. But leave us that rating and review as that will help our podcast perform, and I'm saying that with air quotes, perform better through the analytics. And the better it performs in the analytics, the more coaches will be exposed to it. And obviously, we are passionate about impacting coaches and, and serving coaches. So the more that we can the better. And if you've enjoyed this platform and have grown from it, uh, that'd be a great way uh, just to kind of partner and allow this to be passed over to more coaches throughout the game. So we appreciate that. If you would do it, awesome. We, uh, we celebrate you. Hey, till next time, I'm Adam and TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. We are out.